0: share with you this morning while we're while we're in this atmosphere you know we have announcements and things that we had to go through and just check out the website Facebook bulletin you'll get it all call tree we got it all (laughs) but in 2 Chronicles 7 2 chronicles chapter 7 is where I'm headed if you have your Bibles Chris, do you mind grabbing that? I actually do. I think I'm going to use that table. Second Chronicles chapter 7 is where we're going. Wednesday nights I've been doing a study, started this week, on revivals. Started a study on revivals and, and, and revival history. And it's interesting, some of the things that, I, as I'm studying, I'm digging up, One of the things that I found I want to share with you, by the way, if you're a guest, we're so glad you're here. (laughs) Make sure that you stop by the Information Center on your way out to get your free gift. Uh, I I love when God just messes things up. Um, But anyway, I've been doing a lot of research, and I've had our interns researching revival history in Akron. we know that we know Azusa Street, we know a lot of the the names, the big names, but I want to know what God did here in Akron. I want to know the history of our, our city and our region. And so in this process, as I was preparing for the message today and just doing all this studying, I ran across some information I thought was very interesting. In April of 1906, Azusa Street was birthed. think y'all are okay. In in April 1906, Azusa Street was birthed. And uh, of course, we know the story about Azusa Street. It started on Bonnie Bray and and exploded. The place just literally exploded. And people were coming. Um, They were coming from all over to be a part of what was taking place in Azusa Street I feel like this mic is really hot Tony and as they were coming for these meetings and you can kill my monitor as they were coming for these meetings hundreds of thousands of people were flocking into the Azusa Street mission and as they were coming into the mission People were getting touched. They were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Things were happening. It was powerful. We all know the the history and the story. But there was a lady there by the name of Ivy Campbell. We're going to talk about Ivy Campbell uh, on Wednesday nights. Uh, start, starting this Wednesday, I'm teaching on Azusa Street. We're going to take a look at Azusa Street. But there was a lady there by the name of Ivy Campbell. And Ivy Campbell was from Akron, Ohio. She had moved to Los Angeles after she had helped to start the Broadway mission in East Liverpool, Ohio. I don't know where East Liverpool is. I haven't even had a chance to look it out. Anybody know where it is? You all know where it is? It's what? Down by the river? Down by the river? Okay. So that's, that's where she was from. She was from there. She had helped start, well, she was from Akron, but she had helped start the Broadway mission there. And then she moved to Los Angeles. Well, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street. She had been sitting in the meetings. And she decided that she needed to come back and tell her friends in Akron, Ohio about it. So she comes back to East Liverpool in November of 1906. This is about six months after Azusa Street started. She makes her way back to East Liverpool. She tells her friends. and Basically, they had her share her story in a, in a church service. And everybody thought it was a bunch of hogwash. They didn't think it was true. They didn't, you know, they didn't didn't like what she was telling them about speaking in tongues. But word got out very quickly about her testimony. And when word spread about her testimony, it made its way to a pastor here in Akron who she was familiar with, or or I should say they were familiar with her. There was two pastors. And one of those pastors was by the name of C.A. or Claudius McKinney. Claudius Pastor McKinney pastored what was then at that time South Street Mission, which was the CMA church in town. It was uh, A.B. Simpson, the founder of CMA, helped to, found, helped to start. He was one of the guest speakers and really influenced the start of that church. And um, he found out about Ivy Campbell's testimony and said, I want you to come do a series of five meetings and come share your story. Well, (laughs) we know how the story goes. At that point, Ivy comes to Akron, Ohio at Southside Mission, and she begins to share her testimony of how she got baptized in the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street and she began to speak in tongues and all that God was doing in her life, and the place erupted. The place exploded into absolute pandemonium. Within a month, 40 people had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, the place had been turned upside down. The newspapers were all over it saying local pastors, local pastors in Akron, Ohio, were, were condemning what was happening at the meetings, saying it was of the devil and telling their people not to go to the meetings, that it was, it was of the devil. And they had even asked the police department, the Akron Police Department, to shut it down because people weren't able to sleep at night because of the commotion that was going on in the church. That the services were going so long, people were getting born again and yelling and shouting and praying in tongues. And there was such a commotion, they wanted the police to shut it down. And the police said, no, we'll investigate it, but that's about all we can do. And so the new, it literally turned Akron upside down overnight, her five-day meeting turned into five weeks of meetings in Akron and literally, literally it was said of those meetings that it was just like Azusa Street in Akron, Ohio, that out of, out of Akron, out of those meetings revival spread across Ohio and across the Northeast as a result of those meetings. There there is let me just read this to you, a couple quotes. I'm gonna share more about this in the coming weeks on Wednesdays, but I just find this so interesting um, about our area. It says Miss Iva Campbell, who was among the early recipients of the baptism in Azusa Street, Returned to her home city, Akron, Ohio, and gave her testimony to the members of the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, of which C. A. McKinney was pastor. The pastor and a great many of the congregation received the No, The pastor, C. A. McKinney, received, and his congregation received the baptism in the Spirit. And ever since Akron has been the center of Pentecostal activity. Wow. Akron was the center of Pentecostal. This is a direct quote from from that time period. Another quote: A Methodist presiding elder from south visited Akron. This was a Methodist preacher from the south, visited Akron, was baptized in the Spirit in Brother McKinney's meetings, which is where Campbell was, and early in 19, January 1907, was called to Homestead, Pennsylvania to hold, hold Pentecostal meetings in a branch of the Christian Missionary Alliance where God began to pour out His Spirit in great measure among those who received the baptism in the, in the Homestead meeting. Now, this is a result of Ivy Campbell's meetings. All this is a result of what happened at the church, was Elder J.T. Boddy, who in 1919 became the editor of the Pentecostal Evangel. Anybody familiar with that? Another one to receive a mighty baptism in this meeting was the late George Bowie, who later became a missionary to Africa. Mrs. George Murray, a missionary belonging to the CMA, received the baptism early in 1907, and was greatly used of God in the Pentecostal testimony in and around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Scores of young and old were saved and baptized in the Spirit at the CMA headquarters and numerous other places. So what happened to, uh, what happened to that church? Well, that pastor was kicked out of the CMA and became an Assembly of God pastor after <laughs> I didn't, uh, that didn't last too long. He <laughs> started speaking in tongues. They don't like that. you know. And uh, so they, they ran him off. He became an Assembly of God pastor in Southside South Street Mission eventually became what is today Riverside Church, which is a uh, CMA church still today. So, um, very interesting. Very interesting, the heritage of Akron. and You know, we've, we've talked about Kuhlman. We've talked about Maria woodworth Edder held revival meetings here. There's a great heritage and history of revival in this area. Why do we share those things? Why do we teach the history? Because you need to know... That what God has intended for this area, what God has spoken over this region, what God has spoken over this area, he will bring it to pass. Amen. What God has spoken over this city, he will bring it to pass. Amen. When God says he's going to use and raise up out of Akron, Ohio, a church that will carry revival to the nations, I promise you he will do that. Yes. I promise you he will do that. I don't know how, how far, I'm looking for my history buffs, how far was South and Vine. Anybody know from where Vine Street is and Brown? Yeah. Are they, are they they're right by each other? Yeah. So this church was right in the middle of all that. When, that was, when this, church, this church originated at South and Vine, I'm looking at my <laughs> folks that were there. So, so you all understand, that God is up to something. <laughs> He's organizing and orchestrating things. That we have, we, we have no control over. <laughs> all you have to do is just step in and say, yes, Lord, I want to be a part of it, or run for the hills. <laughs> Jump in or run for the hills. And people will. They do. Uh, just like, you know, it's scary, you know, the number of pastors that will ridicule revival and tell people it's of the devil and all those things. But it's the very thing that God's using to transform a nation. Amen. It's the very thing that transformed our nation, Azusa Street. And all that came out of that transformed. Our, we're here today because of Azusa Street. So it's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So join us on Wednesdays at 7. We have a great time. Second Chronicles chapter 7. In verse 14, I said we were going to go there. I'm going to go ahead and go there, and we'll receive an offering uh, in a little bit. But I want to go ahead and jump, if, if I can, to the message. It's all right if we do things out of order, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, who sets the order anyway? 2 Chronicles 7, chapter 14. Very popular passage of scripture that we often quote at national prayer gatherings and you know it's one of those things that we use frequently but do we fully understand what we're reading? Do we fully understand what we're asking God for here in 2 Chronicles 7 14? The reason that I began sharing the history with you the reason that y'all are good on stage you can come off. The reason at least for a few minutes um, the reason the reason I share that history with you is because it sets the stage, if you will, for what I want to share with you from Second Chronicles 7.14. There is a desire of God to awaken the, the church of our generation, to awaken the hearts of the lost. I believe that we are, we are on the brink, we are on the edge of the greatest harvest of souls that the church and history has ever seen. I believe that. I believe that. I'll say that again, because about three of you got it and the rest didn't. We are on the brink of a harvest of souls like we've never seen before in our history. Amen. That's why we exist, right? That's why God has empowered us with the Holy Spirit. It's not just so that we can go around and be a touch-me-bless-me club, but so that there's there's a power resident on the inside of us that we can take and begin to minister to the hurting and the broken around us. That's why That's why we have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why praying in tongues, you know, the Azusa Street Revival was not just so everybody could sit around and pray in tongues all day. And even though that, that is, it is powerful and is needed, but there is a release of supernatural power and unction and intimacy that comes by praying in the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need to learn how to pray and and be led by the Holy Spirit in our prayer time and and be led under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need all that. But if it's just so that we can come sit in church and look at each other and say, oh, good job, you prayed in tongues today, and it never affects your personal life, and it never affects the lost people around you, then it's useless, it's pointless. You've You've not learned how to connect power with the purpose of God in your life. And so 2 Chronicles 7.14 is that. It is connecting power with purpose. It's connecting with the the plan and the desire and the purpose of God. Connecting it with the reaching of the lost. The healing of a nation. The transformation of a nation. In 2 Chronicles 7.14 it says, If my people... If my people, not the government, not the not the parachurch ministries, not the not the the bankers, not the politicians, not the 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 the, the whatever you know, everybody else needs to do it. No, if my people, if my people who are called by my name. Today, are you his child? Are you, are you called of God? Has he placed his hand? Has he placed his thumbprint on your life? Today, if the Holy Spirit has come and he's marked you, he's sealed you, then you're a child of God. You qualify for this scripture. If my people who are called by my name hit the person next to you and say, you're a peculiar, peculiar person. <laughs> you are a peculiar person. Yes, yes. You are a strange bird. You were called out by God. You are his own special people, Peter said. You are his own special people, a royal priesthood. You are a part of the royal priesthood of God, called out, set apart to declare the excellencies of God in this generation. What is 2 Chronicles 7.14 saying? If my people, if you, the royal priesthood, if you, the strange birds in the land, if you who are peculiar and odd will take a stand... Yeah, you might be strange. You might be foolish. You might feel inadequate this morning. But that's okay. Just come to Jesus with your your fish and your loaves. Come to Jesus with your your empty bottles, your empty vessels. Just come to Jesus this morning with what you have, and he'll begin to fill you. He'll begin to give you the Holy Ghost unction and what to pray and what to say. He'll begin to show you the supernatural things to begin to pray. You know, sometimes we spend so much time, I'm praying our our own little uh our, our, our list of our needs we get so focused on our our needs and our issues and lord touch mama touch daddy you know we pray our kindergarten prayers right we come to jesus and we and we pray our uh nighttime bedtime you know prayers now i lay me down to sleep right that's the that's where we get most of us get stuck And I believe that, yes, God calls us to bring our prayers and our petitions before him. And and we need to do that. But oftentimes that's the only depth and the level of our prayer life. Do you realize and understand there are prayers that you will pray on this side of eternity that you'll never have the opportunity to pray again? There are things that you can begin to intercede for and pray for and ask God for for wisdom and direction in the night for that, that you will only have the opportunity to pray right now. You'll never get the opportunity to pray those things again. This, this verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14, actually is God's response to Solomon. Solomon was asleep. It was in the night, and God came to him and spoke to Solomon, this verse, in the night. After the dedication of the temple. We'll talk about that in a moment. But God came to Solomon and gave him prophetic direction for, for the church at night while he was sleeping. You need to ask the Lord, you know, sometimes God, God speaks to us in different ways, but one of the ways that I have found that works very effectively for me, because my brain is not thinking and processing, and, and I'm the one, I'm very analytical, I will look and figure it out, I'll work out a solution, I'll, you know, God says A, I'll have B, C, D, E, F, all the way to Z figured out in five minutes. And sometimes the Lord just wants to speak to us, He just wants to give us revelation and insight. So ask the Lord to speak to you at night. Pray daring prayers. I want to challenge you. Pray big prayers. Pray pray prayers that put you on the precipice of something great. Pray prayers. You know, it's, it's not easy. You know, when, you, when you, you, look, you sit out there in the pews and you think, I'm sure most of you probably do, I've done it before. Well, he's the preacher. He's supposed to do that. You know, when God speaks to you and says, if you have hip pain, come down here. I realize in that moment, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to get healed, or they're not going to get healed. (laughs) And as a pastor, when you say, or any leader, or even a Christian, just regular Christian, say, come here, God's going to heal you, you are putting your neck on the line, right? You're stepping out in faith, saying God's going to do something. And so it may look easy because they come up here and you touch them and they're healed and they go back and they're moving, doing things they couldn't do and there's no pain, right? But that's because you got to put yourself on the edge. If all I did was stand up here and say, "Hmm, well, God, okay, I'll believe, you'll just heal them at their seat. I won't say anything. I just, I won't say anything. You just heal them. Just touch them where they're at. Just touch them in their pew. Then I've never stepped to the edge with God and said, let's soar. Let's jump off. Let's jump this cliff together. Let's just run this together and see what you've got. Let's just, let's just take this step of faith. I, I don't see a bottom to the, to the thing out there, but let's just take a step and believe that, believe that your angels are going to catch me up here and we'll just see you do something miraculous in people's lives. you got to live on the edge with God. Stop living in apathy. Stop living in your comfort zone. Stop living, stop living inside the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your apathetic Christianity. Christianity and begin to walk on the water with Jesus. Begin to begin to intentionally place yourself where you have to see a miracle. <laughs> it's easy. Solomon, it could have been easy for Solomon. Man, eh, let's not build the temple. <laughs> it's okay. Let's let's not let, let's, let's let somebody else do this. Let's not face I mean this is a big deal. I mean let's take a look at this temple that he built. Let's take a look at the furnishings if you will. So this this is the Solomon's temple. The interior was made with cedar wood. It was overlaid with gold on the walls and the floors. Two cherubim of olive wood, 15 feet tall, stood at the front altar area, if you will, and their wingspan touched in the middle. That's, those are big angels. The building had no windows. It took three years to prepare to build the temple and seven and a half years to complete. It took thousands of laborers and skilled craftsmen to build the structure. The stone walls of, the, of Solomon's temple were built so, perfect, per, so perfectly, so precise, that they didn't need mortar between the, the stones. They fit perfectly together. It was 90 feet long by 30 feet wide and 45 feet high, which meant it was 2,700 square feet on the inside. David had given 3,000 tons of gold to Solomon, which is in our day about $100 million worth of gold, and 30,000 tons of silver, which was about $355 million today in today's value. That is what went into the temple, not to mention the Ark of the Covenant, the furnishings. There was the, there was the altar of burnt sacrifice. There was the brazen sea. There was about two to 3,000 baths Throughout the the temple. There was ten lavers. There was the golden altar of incense. The golden table of showbread with five candlesticks. The implements for the altar. The implements and the elements and everything to care for the altar. And the candles and everything were all made of gold. The hinges on the door were gold. The cisterns had to be dug around the temple so water could get into the temple. This was a massive, uh, excellent Undertaking the temple of Solomon. It was huge and it was, everything was ornate. It was beautiful. It was structured to become the house of the Lord. It was to become the dwelling place of the Lord. They had seven days of feasting when it was dedicated. They had seven days of feasting. And then when they, after they dedicated, the, the temple, there was seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles that followed. The Feast of Tabernacles, if you remember, we'll just talk about this for a minute, the Feast of Tabernacles was the feast where they commemorated, the, the Israelites would commemorate the days that they traveled out of Egypt and lived in tents. And they celebrated that the God brought them out of Egypt and it also became a celebration of Hosanna. The king, he's come to save us. There's a savior coming. And so it was a celebration looking forward to the king. And they would wave at the, at the celebration, at the feast, they would wave palm branches they would wave palm branches, and then they would pour out gallons of water at the altar as a sacrifice or offering to the Lord. Well, this was the same feast, if you remember, in John chapter 7. This was the same feast where Jesus stood up in John seven thirty-seven on the last and great day of the feast, and said, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. This, this, this happened. Yeah, Jesus stood up. When they were pouring out gallons of water. They were pouring out gallons of water before the altar. And the priest had just... This is what the priest had just read from Isaiah 12. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my God, my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. All that Jesus said, all that he was doing was prophetic of of what was happening. The dedication, this was the dedication of the temple, of Solomon's temple. This is what we was going on at the dedication of solomon's temple jesus would come later and say i am he if you'll drink of the waters that i give if you'll drink of the living water out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water and john adds the commentary and this he spake of the holy spirit whom he had not yet been given for jesus had not yet been glorified All that Solomon was portraying in this majestic temple. All of the celebration. All of the worship. All of the dedication. Everything that was happening was a type and a picture. It was a shadow of the things to come. It was a shadow of the realities of the person of Jesus Christ. It was a shadow of the realities of the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in our lives. If you go back with me. Second Chronicles, chapter five. Second Chronicles, chapter five. It says, Second Chronicles, chapter five, and verse eleven. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions, and the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun. They were the choir, Heman and Jeduthun were the choir leaders they were the ones who led the course they were the main they were david's right hand guys they were the ones when david wrote his songs and david wrote the worship these were the guys that would take them and and begin to sing them <laughs> can you imagine Whoo, singing, singing the song of David, singing the song that David received from the Lord. And Heman and Shaduthan were right there in the middle of it with David. And now they're, now they're getting ready to sing. Now they're getting ready to sing the song of David in, the, in Solomon's temple. And with their sons and their brethren, and they stood at the east end of the altar, clothed with white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, harps. Okay, so cymbals, there's a noise loud noise, stringed instruments and harps, all of this combined with 120 priests who were blowing trumpets. Now, I don't know that I've ever heard 120 trumpets, but one or two is pretty loud. You get 120 of them together. Wow, what a sound with the cymbals and the harps and the stringed instruments. And indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one. So that tells me when they started off, they were... They were getting it all together, they were coming together, and then at some point in the middle of their worship, at some point in the middle of their worship, the Holy Spirit began to conduct the orchestra. Have you ever been in a a service or in a meeting, and the worship was happening, and it seemed good, but then all of a sudden, the heavenly choir director stepped in and instead of just being random noise it all began to blend and it it didn't sound the same it all became as one there was a unified it, you couldn't pick out there have been times i've i've been in services where where i've heard and and it was as if i was standing in in the service it was i was physically present but spiritually i was somewhere else physically i was there but spiritually i began to hear It's a different sound. It was a heavenly sound. And there's a place where where you and I need to get to in our worship. Let me just pause and say this about our worship. That that our worship becomes a sacrifice to the Lord. We put it on the altar before God. That our sacrifice becomes a sacrifice of praise. A living sacrifice. That we put our worship on the altar before the Lord. And when we put our worship on the altar before God, what happens to the altar of sacrifice? What happened when they put a sacrifice? sacrificial lamb on the altar. The fire of God fell. The fire fell and began to burn. Burn the sacrifice. Yeah, that's what our worship needs to be like. We put our our worship on the altar before the Lord. We put our sacrifice of praise on the altar before the Lord. And the fire falls. And the Holy Spirit begins to direct our worship. The Holy No longer it's just singing songs out of our head. It's no longer just singing good words. It's no longer just, just saying the right phrase. All of a sudden <laughs> all of a sudden the fire falls, and the Holy Spirit begins to direct the song of our life and no longer it 's our natural self you know there just like I said earlier about our prayers there are prayers that you will pray on this side of eternity that you won 't get to pray anymore when you get to heaven can you imagine the same of our worship there's there's worship right now that we we've not we 've not even begun to encounter the worship on this side of eternity that we can but I'm telling you there's coming a day where we'll cross over and our worship no longer will be the same when we cross over into eternity so you have an opportunity right now on this side of eternity to lift up your praise to lift up a worship it becomes a sacrifice that you lay on the altar that the Holy Spirit fire can consume in a new way that's not going to happen in heaven Some people say, well, I'll just worship when I get to heaven. This is the preparation room for the other side of eternity. If you can't get it here, you'll never get it over there. This is the dressing room. This is the dressing room for eternity. (laughs) there's coming a day my friend where you and I will step on into eternity and we'll worship and we'll have a great day of celebration but until that day comes, until that day happens may we offer a sacrifice of praise may we lay our prayers and our worship on the altar before God as the sound became one (laughs) They were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music, all of this worship, they began to sing, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Why don't you say that with me. For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. For he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Again for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. (laughs) can you say that can you say that of the Lord he is good and his mercy endures forever (laughs) yeah I should have I should have been in the pit I should have been in destruction I should be dead I should be shut up by the enemy but his mercy is good and endures forever thank you Lord that you brought me out of the pit you've brought me out of destruction oh you just gotta let me worship for a minute Lord I thank you that you brought me out of my pit of despair set my feet on the solid rock Lord that I'm no longer bound by sin and the past I'm living in victory with my God I'm walking in victory I'm walking with the anointing of heaven on my life I'm walking in the peace of God with the grace of God hallelujah your mercy endures forever your mercy endures forever forever hallelujah (laughs) You just have to forgive me. I just get lost sometimes when I read the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His mercy. <laughs> His mercy. You can't outdo His mercy. If you're here today and you feel like you're, you're surpassed His mercy... I've screwed up too much. I've gone too far. His mercy endures forever. I'm too far in the pit of depression. His mercy endures forever. I've got too much trouble. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. His mercy endures forever. I'm dry. I'm crusty. I'm hard. I'm bitter. I'm His mercy. Taste His mercy today. Taste His mercy today. Get a good, good taste of His mercy and you'll never be the same. (laughs) <laughs> Never be the same. Well, I'm totally off my notes. <laughs> and they began to sing this. And the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because the cloud, for the glory of the Lord, filled the house. F- yeah, fill, Filled. And if you ever wonder why we go and as we're praying for people, we say, Filled. That's why. Filled. (laughs) Filled. Be filled. Not we don't want you leaving here with just about a third of the way we want you filled. We want the glory of the Lord filling you. Filled? (laughs) Yeah, we want you filled. That's the problem is most churches don't have anything to give you past your ankles. So everybody's just used to, let's get our ankles in the water and we'll go home. No, that's not how, that's not the intention of the Lord. He wants his house filled with his glory. He wants his house filled with his glory. Every, oh yeah, the glory of the Lord is filling, filling the house of the Lord. It fills, This this is what Solomon said. When he dedicated the temple, he prayed in verse chapter 6 and verse 18 of 2 Chronicles. This is what he said about being filled. 2 Chronicles verse 18 it says but will god indeed dwell with men on earth behold heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you how much less this temple which i have built have built yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication o lord my god and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you that your eyes may be open toward this temple day and night toward the place where you said you would put your name that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place and may you hear the the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear forgive. Yeah, that That was part of the prayer of Solomon but he says the heavens can't contain you. The heavens of heavens, the expanse of the universe cannot contain the glory of our God. The expanse of the universe cannot contain his majesty. He is all powerful. There is nothing outside of the power and the control of our God. There is nothing that you encounter in this life there is no sickness, there is nothing named in this earth, there is nothing, there is nothing in the universe there is nothing anywhere that you and I can face that's outside of the power of our God the heavens can't contain him yeah every crevice every crevice of our universe is pouring forth the glory of God the air that you and I breathe today, it is laced with the glory of God. It is, it is the glory of God that enables you and I to be breathing and living today. It is by His grace that we live and move and have our being. Yeah, it's His glory. Yeah, it's his glory. It's, it's everywhere. Solomon said Solomon said, you're, the, "The heavens can't contain it." And yet we've built this temple for you. This temple and all of its splendor. This, this temple and all of its glory. It's got gold walls and gold floors and massive building just for you, God. And yet it can't contain. It can't even begin to contain the glory of the Lord. It was a shadow, my friend. I said it earlier. It's a shadow of what God is doing in His local church. In Ephesians 22, Ephesians chapter 22, if you have your Bibles. It's just a shadow, it's a type. Solomon's temple was just a type. In Ephesians 2 and verse 19, it says, "There, therefore." Everybody say, "Therefore, therefore. you are no longer strangers and foreigners." But you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fitted together... Grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so, what what is Solomon's temple all about? It's a shadow. What God was telling Solomon: If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll hear. What is he talking about? Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen through through twenty two is a great start. He's building a dwelling place not built by the hands of man. He's building a dwelling place that's not built out of gold and out of stone. He's building a dwelling place out of you and out of me. He's building a dwelling place, Peter said, with living stones. He's building us and fitting us together so that his glory... Fill our lives. His glory needs to fill your life. His glory needs to fill my life. Just like the glory in Second Chronicles chapter five filled the temple, even so the cloud of His glory wants to fill you. The cloud of the Holy Spirit, the cloud of His glory wants to come and saturate you. Woo! Yeah. Paul told the Corinthians, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He wants to fill you. He wants to saturate you. He wants to endue you with power. He wants to clothe you with power from on high. Ephesians 2 tells us that we have a heavenly citizenship. It doesn't matter what your background is this morning. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. It doesn't what matter what has separated you from God in the past. When you're born again, we have received, Paul said, the spirit of adoption by which we cry, "Abba, Father." Right now, if you're born again in this place, there's new blood flowing through your veins. It's the blood of Jesus and you've you and I are citizens of a heavenly Citizenship. You and I are citizens of the heavenly kingdom. Yeah, we might live in in America. We might be citizens naturally in this country, but I'm a pilgrim passing through this land. I'm on my way to a heavenly home. We used to sing a song growing up, an old hymn. I'm looking for a city. <laughs> I'm looking for a city. Si- I'm. I, I'm. I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking for a city. Who's. Who's. <laughs> Woo! I'm looking looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. I'm I'm not looking for an earthly dwelling place. My my life is a a place for the glory of God on this earth, but I'm ready at any given moment should that trumpet sound. I'm ready. My feet are ready to leave the ground. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for gravity to let loose on me, and I'm ready to go at any given moment. Jesus is coming back. And in the meantime, I get to be a dwelling place for the glory of the Lord in this life. <laughs> uh, why are you laughing, Pastor? I can't help but laugh. I have the joy of the Lord <laughs> when I think about the goodness of the Lord and all He's done for me. <laughs> I can't help but rejoice. Amen. Uh, <laughs> oh glory <laughs> I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking for a city. I'm looking for a city today. I hope you are. Yeah. I hope you are. <laughs> oh. I, just, I can't get I can't get off of that. Oh there's I you know the Solomon's temple and all his glory. Solomon's temple and all his glory. I just opened up Pandora's box by saying that Holy Spirit, thank you. That you, uh, Solomon's temple and all of his glory was a shadow of things to come. All that Christ did, he was crucified, he was beaten, he was he rose from the dead. Yeah, the tomb even couldn't contain the glory of the God uh, of God. He Jesus, Jesus was resurrected out of that tomb. Yeah, there, All of these things that that Jesus did so you and I could become a earthly dwelling place doesn't even compare to the eternal journey in his presence that soon awaits us there's there is <laughs> there is for those today who have turned their lives to Christ that there is a there is This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. That you and I would be so saturated, so filled with the glory of God that when we step into heaven, it's just like, ooh, I know this. I know this place, I know this feeling, oh, I know this presence, I've been here before <laughs> I've been here before i've been I've been in this presence before i've I've tasted and I've seen this before, oh, it's so much more glorious here, it's so much more real here. I don't have the veil of the flesh blocking me now but but I've tasted this before. And I can't wait, I can't wait to experience this for all eternity. (laughs) Isn't that what our lives ought to be? Isn't that what our lives ought to be? Our, Our life and our journey with Christ in this life, as I said, it's just preparation for things to come. Become familiar with his glory now. Become familiar with his presence now. God is building. Ephesians says he's building and establishing you. He's structuring you. He's fitting you. He's forming you according to the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. He's, you know, let me say this. Stop following every whim of doctrine that's out there. You know, there's, there's YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all these things, they're a blessing. But they, there's so much stuff that comes through these things these days. <laughs> there's so much, there, you can just get caught up on whatever wind of doctrine you want to get caught up on. Before you know it, you'll be, you know, out in left field with exoplasm in your basement. You know, it's just, you know, you just get, a, it's, there's weirdness out there these days saturate yourself in the Pauline epistles, saturate yourself in the general epistles, saturate yourself in the synoptic gospels, inundate yourself, saturate yourself. You know, when you take a cucumber, you take a cucumber and you want to pickle, what do you do? What do you do? You saturate it in some vinegar, you stick it in there and after a while it becomes pickled. That's what saturation does. That's the power of saturation. You and I need to get pickled. We need to get into the, we need to get into the pickler of the word. <laughs> you need to get into the pickler of the word and let, him, let, the, let the Holy Spirit pickle you. It might uh, remove your frown and turn it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> you get, when you get pickled you get happy <laughs> you probably taste better too saturate yourself he's establishing you he's preserving you in the doctrine in Acts 2 it says that they, they prayed and they, they sat under the, the teaching of the apostles and they persevered in they were preserved in They were kept from spoiling by the apostles' doctrine and teaching. You and I need to be preserved in, to be kept for use by the master. That's what the apostles' doctrine is. That's why church is so important. When you come and you hear the teaching and the preaching of the word, you come and you sit and you you learn and you grow and God begins to pickle you and stretch you and do incredible things. That's why all that's important, being in church, being in a small group coming and serving at Night of Hope next week, all of those things. You're putting yourself in a place to be pickled, to be saturated by the presence of the Lord. Somebody's going to go home and eat a jar of pickles today. <laughs> of course, you're being formed and fashioned. Ephesians says. According to the cornerstone of Christ, you're being joined together. He's fitting us together. You know, that takes supernatural, that's supernatural, (laughs) supernatural. It took, in Solomon's temple, it took thousands of skilled laborers to build a a structure out of stone that was fitted perfectly together where there was no mortar. It takes the skill of the Holy Spirit to fit us perfectly together in unity. And sometimes in that process, broken bricks got to go. Not everybody wants to be formed and fitted together. Not everybody wants to be fashioned together. But those who yield to the structuring and the construction and the chiseling, it's not a fun process to be fitted together. It's not fun when the Holy Spirit comes in and says, okay, we got to deal with this rough edge. And so in order to deal with that rough edge, Chris, I'm going to put Pastor Zach in your life and... and I, he is going to rub you the wrong way. He's going to preach on things that convict you and challenge you. And, and, and on the whole pro- if you'll just yield, you're going to end up looking like Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's, how, that's how the Holy Spirit, he begins to put people in our lives and circumstances in our lives to fit us together and to fashion us together into a unified body. Don't resist the work of the Holy Spirit. Or you might find that you're not part of the building any longer. He's fashioning and forming a structure for his glory. And when you stop yielding to the master craftsman, all of a sudden, next, that one can go out to the heap of rubble out back. Isn't that what Jesus said of his father? He was the, you know, we don't like to hear stuff like that, right? We don't want, we don't want preachers to tell us that there's an ash heap out back and that's where you're going if you don't yield but I'm not doing you due justice if I don't tell you that, right? I'm just going to tell you things that make you feel comfortable, never tell you that you're going to burn up in the fire if you don't deal with this. Yeah, because that's what Jesus said. He said, my father is the vine dresser. And the vines that don't bear fruit, what does he do? He comes and prunes. And and if they don't bear fruit, eventually what does he do? He comes and cuts them off and trims back the branches and trims back the tree and the branches that aren't producing get thrown out into the heap, out back into the the rubbish pile, and get burned up. So it would behoove you to yield. <laughs> even, even if you have to make yourself yield. Yield to God and let him, let him transform you. Let him change you. Let him make you into his masterpiece. Going back to 2 Chronicles. I'll wrap up here in a second. 2 Chronicles The glory of the Lord filled the house. Then Solomon, he stood before the altar, he prayed. He stood before them, he prayed. Verse 12, it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord. In the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands. For Solomon had made a bronze platform. He stood on the platform. He kneels down. In verse 14, he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you who keep your covenant and your mercy, your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. He says you have kept your promise your servant David my father you have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day therefore the Lord God of Israel now keep what you have promised your servant David therefore the Lord God of Israel not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne only if your sons take heed to their way and they walk in my law as you have walked before me and now O Lord God of Israel let your word come true which you have spoken to your servant David let it come Lord, what you've promised, what you've said you would do, what you said you would do in our generation, let it happen. Lord, what you said you would do in our church, let it happen. Lord, what you've spoken, what you've promised, let it come to pass. Verse 1 of chapter 7, Solomon prays this long prayer. In chapter 7, verse 1, this is what the word says. It said, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. <laughs> the very song that started the journey by bringing the ark into the temple was the same song after the dedication that began to erupt again. This was a noisy, it was a noisy day. It was a bloody day. Solomon in chapter 7 verse 5 says, King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. It was a bloody day. It was a noisy day. They had trumpets and cymbals and they were shouting and yelling and praising the Lord, dancing before the Lord. They'd spent seven and a half years building this building. But it wasn't about the excellence of the building at the end of the day. It wasn't about the glory or the splendor of the building itself. What they were after was the glory of God filling the temple. What they wanted, what they desired, what the urgency of the hour was was that the glory of God would fill His temple. Today, we don't need bigger buildings, or better buildings, or better lights, or better this, or better that, or better paint, or that. And everybody is working to build better buildings, to build a better program. And all those things are great, and knock yourself out. And and there's there's parts of that, that are, it's true. It's nice to have those things, and if you can if you can do it, that's great. But their focus was to have a house for the glory of God. Where God could write his name above the door and say, this is my house. You know, we know that God's presence is manifest differently. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But... We know that his presence is manifest more greatly than others. Throughout scripture we see this. He does that in our day. His presence is more real here today than it is down at the bar down the road. Doesn't mean that he can't manifest himself in the bar. But there's a level of faith and hunger that's here. It creates an atmosphere. There's a worship, there's a faith, there's expectancy and hunger here that creates a place for God to dwell. If people were to ask, if someone were to ask you, where does God live? I mean, the standard answer is, well, he's in heaven, duh. Duh. You know, we all know that, right? God lives in heaven. But that got me thinking when they said, we want this to be a house where God can put his name. That's my prayer. That if someone were to say, in the city of Akron, where does God live? I want to be able to say 688 Dan Street. Where's Where's, where's God dwell? 688 Dan Street. Come on by. He's accepting appointments. <laughs> he's, he's open. His calendar's open. He's ready to meet with you anytime. Just come on by. I'm ha- I have a physical need 688 Dan Street. There's a guy there who will heal you. I'm having marriage problems. Good. 688 Dan Street. That's a great place to be. God's a restorer of broken families. I don't know who this God is, but I guess I should meet him. 688 Dan Street. It's a great place. He's—he's. I know he's there. You can come find him. He'll meet you. House where God writes his name. What does it take to become the house where God dwells? What does it take to be the place that God marks his name on the door? if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's how we become the house of God. That's how we become the house of God. Jesus we want to be your dwelling place. We want to be A building, not an earthly building, but a structure formed and fashioned by the Spirit of God that can be a dwelling place of your presence. Lord, that we would bear your name, that our lives would reflect, radiate the glory of our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for your presence here in this place today. We thank you, Lord, for the heavenly glory that has filled this place today. Lord, we thank you that you've healed some, that you've set people free today. Lord, that you've removed the burden and weights and cares of this world from others. Lord, that many others have been refreshed and renewed in their inner man. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we don't want to take that lightly. We treasure that so much. Lord, let it increase. Let it increase. Lord, let it increase. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? I've preached all morning about the glory of the Lord. I've preached all morning about the wonderfulness and the greatness of our God. I've not only preached and proclaimed the word, but you've seen his power manifest. You've seen people healed. You've seen people who were discouraged, encouraged. You've seen the presence and the power of the Lord. Do you know him? Do you know the Jesus who's among us today? He's walking these aisles, do you know him or do you know about him? you got to know him. Do you have a relationship with, with him? How is it between you and Jesus today? How is it with your soul today, friend? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father it's so wonderful.